It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Henry Ward Beecher once said, Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com or our social media channels. Download some after-episode extras, such as our thorough CQ Rewind show notes and our bonus Bible study questions available on our individual episode pages. And look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what are we talking about? Well, this is our part two of our three-part series, and our question is, does my anxiety or depression invalidate my Christianity? And our theme text is found in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, does my anxiety or depression invalidate my Christianity part two? Everyone at times in their lives feels anxiety. Sometimes it's a simple reaction to, have to, uh, to having to do or to say something that we would rather avoid. Other times it's a more powerful reaction that lingers and may even cause us interrupted sleep or a lack of focus. These are feelings of anxiety. They are common and they are solvable. The big issue comes when the anxiety we face becomes a crippling and exhausting current of fear. It sweeps us off our feet and pulls us away from our normal routines with an overwhelming riptide-like intensity. For some of us, this anxiety can last for months, years, or a lifetime. For a Christian, the piercing questions that may rise from this are, where is my reliance on God? Does my crippled response to this fear prove my faith to be nothing more than words? Am I a hypocrite? Hard questions like these deserve strong answers and decisive answers, and today we find them. So coming up in today's podcast, look, even though we may all want a magic pill that can melt anxiety's fears away, we all know that such a thing does not exist. So how then do we deal with it? Well, one way is by talking to someone who did deal with it, by asking questions and learning what they learned. In segments two and three, we describe what anxiety looked like and felt like to this woman and how she moved toward turning points so it no longer dominated her mind. Segments four and five walk through some solutions and techniques she applied to learn to live above the fear that anxiety had plagued her with. Folks, you really need to stay with us and hear this whole story. And to help us tell that story, we have Julie with us. Hello, Julie, and welcome back. Hi, Rick and Jonathan. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so first let's do a, just a, a brief recap from our last episode, uh, Does My Anxiety or Depression Invalidate My Christianity, Part 1. Julie, why don't you start? Sure. Well, last week, episode 1124, we had special guests, Joan and Jane Landino, and they are both APRNs. They defined anxiety and depression for us. We talked about diagnosis and treatment and even the stigma of mental illness. And we looked at how depression appears in the Bible among even some of the great heroes of faith, 
we reviewed some wonderful scriptures that offered help, encouragement, and strength. And one of the scriptures that was a highlight for me, Rick and Julie, was Psalm 139, which showed us the sovereignty of God. We can take comfort in the fact that God personally knows who we are. He knows every state of our mind and heart, and God can and will help us manage our challenges. So whenever we're feeling anxious or depressed, this is a great go-to chapter in Psalms 139. So today we wanted to look at a young woman who went through severe anxiety and was able to establish a pattern of working through the problem. Our guest, her name is Kylie Odetta. She's a singer-songwriter, and she contacted us with a link to a video about her story, and we thought it would be of great benefit to the many who struggle with anxiety. So we interviewed her and are happy to bring it to our listeners. So we've got her interview that'll be broken up throughout uh, the entire podcast, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful story. So let's get started. Let's jump right in uh, when we begin the interview with Kylie Odetta. We are here today in a very, very, very privileged position. We are here with Kylie Odetta, a very young woman who is an incredible, incredible singer and songwriter, and we communicated and she got in touch with us about some of the things that she's gone through, and we wanted to interview her because here at Christian Questions, we are working on always, always, always helping and supporting uh, the Christian community and those around the Christian community, especially when it comes to issues like anxiety and depression. So first of all, Kylie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really cool to, uh, to have you here. And Julie uh, is with me. Julie, hello. Hi, Kylie. I was really impressed with all of your videos and just how you carry yourself and really your story. So I'm excited to hear more about the details of it. Kylie, let's get started. You know, we're, we want to talk about your own experience with anxiety and so forth. And so just get, let's get some background first. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your age, if you don't mind mentioning it, uh, your career <laughs> in music and so forth. Go ahead. Yeah, so hi everybody. Um, I'm Kylie. I am 22 years old. I was born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina. I started writing music when I was about eight years old, performing when I was 11, and pursuing a full-time music career. I ended up going on to graduate high school year early and tour the country nationally and internationally. I got to play in the UK and Ireland, so that was really amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been doing music my whole life, and, and I've been so blessed to be able to do that. But, you know, along the path of life, you come into different experiences and encounter different emotions. And and I ended up battling really crippling anxiety for a period of time. And so my latest project that I just released, Roots and Petals, kind of goes through my journey of my battle with anxiety and overcoming it. And so I'm, I'm glad to be able to share my story, but it was a difficult process. So she talks about her song, Roots and Petals, which we will be playing parts of throughout the podcast. But it's a, it's a very heartwarming thing. Is 22-year-old, you know, I've spent my whole life in music. And you say, well, wait, how much of a life can you spend? <laughs> but she started when she was 11, okay? So that's a pretty good resume from 11 to 22. So let's just jump right into her experience dealing with her depression, or rather her anxiety, I'm sorry. We want to talk about that difficult process. Of all the wonderful things you can tell us, we want to talk about the hard stuff, all right? So <laughs> so when, when did you first notice or feel the, the, the anxiety? Was it sudden? Was it gradual? 
Did you wake up one morning like, what happened to me? Tell us about that. So it was a little bit of both, uh, both and, I guess. I think I had experienced anxiety for most of my life, but I didn't have the vocabulary to be able to say, oh, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm feeling anxious. You know, I just knew that I kind of had some overwhelming emotions sometimes. I felt things very deeply. And I would every so often have these intrusive thoughts, even when I was a kid, pop into my head that were very alarming or negative, and I didn't know what it was. So I would talk to my parents, and they'd be like, oh, it's just a random crazy thought. Let it go. But it was really hard for me to let things go because I would latch on to a thought and spin and spin and spin on it, which is what anxiety does. And so later in life, when I was around, I think, 1920, this is when I kind of really came into the the worst part of experiencing my anxiety. And it was triggered by a big breakup I had. I had some family drama going on. And there was just kind of a transition period of life. And so a lot was happening all at once. And it sent me into this kind of downward spiral where I really battled anxiety to the point where I I feel like I lost my identity, my personality, my confidence. I mean, it was so overwhelming every day that I couldn't even function in a normal way anymore. So it was kind of a bit of both where I had experienced it most of my life, but didn't really know what was going on until this massive triggered moment a couple years ago. That's important because you had that tendency. And, and one of the things that, that jumps right out at me from what you were saying is, you know, you, you feel things deeply. And with every experience I've ever had with somebody with these kinds of things, that's exactly the same thing. So you've seen it, uh, you, you, you've sort of felt it kind of growing on you over time. But then there was an event that took something that was kind of simmering in the, on the back burner and brought it up to the front burner and turned it on high. That's what it sounds like. Definitely. It's interesting that it's through a period of change that that happens. That as long as everything yeah. is okay, but then when that changes, it's when you're in that in-between stage where things start to manifest. Do you have other family members that go through severe anxiety or are you just the white sheep of the family? <laughs> <laughs> so... I I don't I definitely have some extended family members who have lots of emotional um I guess I don't know if I guess they have some have been clinically diagnosed with mental illness um but in my immediate family I not anyone that I know severely experienced anxiety so it was kind of a new thing and you know as a joke and in a, in a lighter way when I was growing up because I was so sensitive and felt things so deeply. It was always kind of encouraged and supported because I'm a songwriter. It's like, oh, you're just a creative type. You know, you just feel things very deeply. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. It's beautiful to be able to access those emotions. But it reached a point, like you said, where it was like the burner was turned all the way on high and I could no longer cope and process because all those emotions were so high. So, you know, when, when we listen to that, it gives us a really good sense of something that is potentially simmering in the background, just needed the opportunity to manifest itself. And being in that transitional stage of life with difficult things happening, it blossomed. And that's a common story for a lot of people. And that's something we need to all be aware of and to say, look, this is part of the way life works. So, we're going we're gonna to begin to build with this. Let's just touch on some scriptures here and, and put things in perspective, because we heard the basis of Kylie's story, and as a result, we want to look in and build some foundation principles. Now, this is kind of going back to last week's podcast. We were talking about God's sovereignty. So, Jonathan, what's our first foundation principle? Seek and honor God's sovereignty. Okay. This foundation 
is for a wall of protection. God's sovereignty is for is the foundation for a wall of protection. Especially for Christians who endure anxiety and depression, the foundation of God's sovereignty must be solid. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. We'll take it in a couple of pieces. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, you think about that. This is a tremendous promise. Talks about an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. Now think about it. If we have anxiety, what inheritance does anxiety leave you? What inheritance does God do God's promises leave you if you're called of God to follow Christ? An inheritance an inheritance incorruptible. Verses six through seven. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season it need be, yea, are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, we often read that verse, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Well, let me just read it a little bit differently. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. Think about it that way, because this is the foundation of God's sovereignty. So, after each soundbite that we play from the interview with Kylie, we want to have what we're going to call anxiety-breaking building blocks. And based on Kylie talking about these intrusive thoughts, the personal trauma and the drama and being daily overwhelmed, we need to start with a very basic anxiety-breaking building block. Jonathan, what is it? Necessity. Is that all you're going to say? <laughs> <laughs> One word, necessity. Go ahead. The trials of a Christian are basic and necessary tools to bring glory to God through our imperfection and lowly lives. Understand how important it is for us to have trials. It's necessary. Say it with me. It's necessary. necessary. That's right. <laughs> we need to allow those things to be a part of our lives. Okay, another scripture, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know, a lot of times we look at these fiery trials and we say, yeah, something's going to come to us. What about the thought that our most fiery experiences can have their seeds in our own hearts and in our own minds? You say, oh, that's scary. No, it's not. You know why? Because God knew what we were like when he called us. And you know the beautiful thing? He called us not in spite of those things, but because of those things. So when we think of fiery trials and we think of our own deficiencies, praise God that he is dealing with us because of these deficiencies. So Jonathan, what's our next anxiety-breaking building block? Acceptance of personal reality. You know, it's easy to accept reality when it's somewhere out there, but we have to accept our own personal reality. We are all broken. Don't be surprised when the hardest trials we face are based on our own deficiencies. This happens to everyone around us all the time. 
and Rick to really emphasize why we are all broken. Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was shapened in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Amen. We are all of that brokenness, and that's a beautiful thing. And we're going to see how anxiety fits into that as a, as a beautiful opportunity for learning. Our personal battle against anxiety and depression is really the battle to truly give God command in our lives. Knowing why we are fighting is one thing. How do we figure out the depths of what we are fighting? Our team of volunteers are accomplishing amazing work every week as we release new audio, video, and web content, helping create the Christian Questions Multimedia Ministry. There's several ways you can get more involved in our not-for-profit mission. Click on Support CQ in our main menu on ChristianQuestions.com. The battle to overcome anxiety and depression most often begins as a solitary endeavor with the battlefield being one's own mind. If the battle is left to these conditions, it would result in a demoralizing string of defeats for most of us. To win, we need to bring light and truth to the battlefield. Well, we wanted to bring some statistics to this just to see how big of an issue this anxiety is. And according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, and there's a lot of great information on their website, that's adaa.org.org, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States. It affects 40 million adults age 18 and older, and that is 18, over 18% of the population every single year. And that was before the virus issue. So it's, it's a big deal. And anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorders worldwide, and it affects one in every 13 people. The top three most common anxiety disorders are, number one, specific phobias, like fear of flying or driving or leaving your house, which by the way, affects women twice as much as men for some reason. Uh, depression is number two, which is the leading cause of disability worldwide. And number three is social phobias. These are intense anxiety or fear of being judged, negatively evaluated, or rejected in a social or performance situation. Uh, these so social phobias typically begin around age 13. So we're gonna talk more about that in part three of this series called Anxiety, Depression, and Raising Kids. How do we cope? And finally, the last statistic for you today is Many people with anxiety disorder also experience things like headaches, sleep disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, chronic pain, and many others. And this can make their symptoms worse and the recovery more difficult. So if you have anxiety, boy, you are not alone. And you know, that's such an important aspect. You are not alone. And today what we want to do is share somebody's story about dealing with it in, 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 in sort of real time for her. So let's go back to Kylie Odetta's uh, story, and she's going to describe to us now what that anxiety in her experience felt like. So what does it actually feel like? What's the physical symptoms? What's the mental symptoms? I've never experienced an anxiety attack. What, what happens to you? Do you know it's coming on? Um, yes and no. I think it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to this type of stuff because I think it happens a little bit differently for everyone, but there's definitely similarities. So, you know, I think at first for me, it's just kind of an overwhelming, looming feeling of, you know, unsettledness. 
and maybe that lingers for days or weeks and you just feel like you, you don't feel like yourself you feel a little bit out of it you're in a positive environment but you are still feeling very sad or negative um and things kind of start to frighten you uh and again this is just me talking about my personal experience I, I can't speak for anyone else um but you know for me i would have a normal day going on and then I would have something very fearful pop into my head and like I said instead of being able to shrug it off as oh that's just a weird you know emotion or a weird thought or it's not real it I would latch on to see what does this mean what does this mean for the future what does this mean for me right now does this say something about me and so it's all these things start to pop off in your mind rather than just oh that's funny and then moving along it's like oh my gosh, it felt like, you know, there's this giant black hole and you can't see to the other side. Like every, it's almost like every negative experience that happens, that's the end. This is it. It's like life cannot go on past this moment. And that's not true, but that's what it feels like. It feels like you can't see past what's right in front of you, whatever that negative thing is or negative thought or emotion. It's like the world is ending right here, right now and that you can't see a way out of that. So it's it's obviously that's kind of overwhelming to feel, you know. So now you didn't have any physical symptoms. It was just really in your mind then in your case. I did have some physical symptoms, um, definitely a pit in my stomach, like feeling nauseous. I think that's something a lot of people feel. I definitely would literally get like sick feeling in my stomach. I never actually got sick, but I would feel like I needed to squeeze myself really tightly and hug myself to like make that sick feeling in my stomach go away. So that was one. And then also I would get, uh, and I didn't even know this was happening, but I would get red splotches over my skin. And my therapist actually, like, she she asked me one day, she was like, do you know that your skin is getting very red and splotchy as you're talking about these things? And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even realize that that was something my body was doing, producing this fight flight mode, you know, instead of being calm. Even if I mentally was like, no, I'm fine. She's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's another important aspect of this because what it says is that the anxiety, even though it's just a thought, and a lot of times we look at it and say, well, it's just a thought but it permeates your entire being and then it's out of control. Absolutely. And that's what you're describing. So she, she's talking about the, the, this overwhelming sense. You can't get past these emotions. There's nausea I, and, it, and it's scary. It's scary. And for people who suffer from anxiety, it's scary. So we want to play the first verse of her song, uh, Roots and Petals. And uh, before we play it, though, Julie, if you would, just read through the words of this verse, because it may be a little bit hard to understand, depending on what you're listening on, and we want to make sure that you hear and you feel the words so they can go with the music, because it's a, it's a masterful description of what Kylie went through. Julie, go ahead. Sure. And when she contacted us and said she was a singer, I thought, Oh boy, I hope she can sing if we're going to be talking about her new song. And thankfully, she can sing very well. So, so here was her, um, here, here's the first verse. It says, though my roots are deep, I can feel my petals withering and my knuckles bleed. I can hear my mind scream, retreat. Some days I'm growing towards the light. Some days I listen to the lies. I don't always feel like trying to hold back the darkness. Lord knows I fight, because when I fight, I know that I can't lose. In the face of truth, I'm stronger than you. So when we 
get a sense of those words. Let the music now and Kylie's story just speak for itself. Though my roots are deep I can feel my petals withering Yeah, my knuckles bleed I can hear my mind scream retreat Some days I'm growing fight I know that I can't lose in the face of truth I'm stronger than you she's talking to her own mind and her own thoughts and what we're going through in this podcast is that personal struggle and here's the thing look we all can get stuck paralyzed inside of our own minds believing no one can or should understand us and this this state of mind produces an unsettling vulnerability now look while Satan cannot control our thinking He can seek to influence our emotions. Do not take this lightly. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 9. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So your adversary is seeking someone to devour, but you know who he can't devour? The one who keeps himself sharp before the Lord and is attentive to his voice through the word of God. And this scripture, Rick and Julie, is one that I'm going to be clinging to. On a personal note, uh, threats from a mentally ill family member started back up today. My wife and I have a choice to either have anxiety or have the peace and trust in the Lord, like 1 Peter 5, 6 and 9 told us. We need to turn it over to God and be thankful for the experience. Verse 9 reminds us, be firm in your faith knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Wow. You know, you think it's a coincidence that that started today? No, No. I don't. And and folks, that's the point. Understand that our, our experiences are ordered by God for the good of those around us if we're willing to share them. And thank you, Jonathan, for putting that very difficult thing on the table. Now, again, Kylie's soundbite was what this anxiety feels like. It's overwhelming, the the negative emotions and so forth. So what's our anxiety-breaking building block for this? 
humility in the face of our personal reality. You know, it's easy to have humility when you're kind of looking around. But when you look at what your perceived personal reality is, we need to be humble with that as well. Satan wants to destroy us and use our own flaws as the easiest means to do so. God is willing to protect us. He wants to carry our anxiety for us. Understand these facts and let God work with you and through you. Casting all of your anxiety on him. This is the verse you just read, Jonathan. Because he cares for you. God wants to carry your anxiety. The question is, are you and am I willing to hand it over to him? How do we do that? Stay with us as we unfold that. Let's go to back to, back to uh, Kylie and uh, the next step in her journey. So while you're going through all of this, did anyone, anybody ever say to you or imply to you, look, you know what, you're a songwriter, you're doing this for attention, you know, grow up, enough of this over-dramatization. Over did you ha have that experience? So I didn't necessarily have anyone explicitly say the words to me, you know, you're doing this for attention or stop or you're making this up. But I did feel the need to have to explain myself like mm. because, you know, it's hard for people to really get inside of your head and your heart and know what you're feeling because we're all experiencing our own emotions. And so, you know, someone can see, OK, they're upset. They're not themselves. They can see that, but they can't actually feel what you're feeling. And so it's hard for them to gauge, I think, how severe it is. Um, and and for me, you know, I had I am very fortunate. I did have people in my immediate family who were very patient and compassionate towards me. And so they were kind of, like I said, used to my sensitivities and all of that. And so they did um, tell me kind of not necessarily in the moment when I was going through all of that, but after the fact, they they talked to me about how they had to be very patient and and I'm grateful for that. Um, but it was interesting because I could kind of sense sometimes when I needed to verbally process a lot of what was going on, that's a big way that helped me. I could see and I could feel and I wondered, are they getting tired of me talking about this so much? Are they getting sick of me having to go over and over the same exact thought process out loud? They're probably so burdened by that. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, like I said, Fortunately, they were very compassionate and kind and, and allowed me to do that. But I definitely felt that strain of, oh, God, I, sh I should be over this by now. Why do I have to keep talking about it? And I know some people probably have had experiences where people are like, all right, yeah, like, sure, we get it. At a point, you think people are going to get tired of you having to deal with it. And then, you, and then that kind of leads you to not want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. So now, what would you say to somebody going through the kind of anxiety you've gone through who doesn't have maybe that sympathetic ear close by, who's feeling like, like you said, you had to explain yourself or express, but is not meeting with a positive response to that? What would, what would you say to, to, to that person? Yeah. So I think a couple of things, there's, there's different things people could do. One, if, if it's available to them and if they're able to afford it, you know, seeking a professional counselor or a therapist, somebody who's unbiased, who's literally has to sit there and listen to you talk, um, is I think really, really helpful. And there's no shame in doing that. And it was very beneficial for a period of time. Um, so that is definitely an option if you don't have anyone in your actual personal life who can, who you feel you can talk to and be honest with talking to somebody who doesn't know you, who, who's paid to, 
to have the knowledge to be able to help you process through your emotions, I think is really awesome. Another thing, there is a lot of great online resources, which I also used. I found one specifically on like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. On It was an online course that you could do for free. And it was with a real therapist, but it was, you know, through this community online where I was able to go through these videos and answer these questions and it helped me as well. And so that's, you know, an online experience that you can have to reach out if you don't have a person you could talk to. And then obviously talking and praying to God. It's important, I think, to have somebody else you can say things to because I think there's power in declaring things out loud and getting them into the light so they can be healed. Um, But obviously God is the number one resource who's right there for you every day to talk to. Um, So definitely made use of that a lot. (laughs) So there's a lot to what she went through and the experience. But, you know, a resounding message here is talk about it. Get it out and and try to express things. And we're going to develop that a little further as we go on. But she also talked about patience. And patience needs to be a part for the person going through the, the, the situation as well as those around them. Patience is such a necessary and difficult piece of this battle. In the New Testament, patience actually means much more than we might think. So, so Jonathan, what's, what is the word, New Testament word for patience? Well, Rick, it means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. And it comes from the word which means to stay under, undergo, that is, bear trials, have fortitude, persevere. So patience is not, okay, you know, I'll just wait till the snow stops. That's not patience in Scripture. In Scripture, patience is cheerful endurance under pressure. And that is a serious, serious thing. And now with that in mind, you know, in, in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, the word endurance is that word for patience. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So it's not just being and feeling patient. It's having the endurance under the weight of pressure. There's something powerful about what the scriptures tell us we need to do. Our trials, our difficulties, and our anxiety and depression beg for endurance. And I also, I like the phrase, prayer helps us endure the intensity of our experiences. You know, that's such a, that's an important point because, look, this is intense. And, you know, we're, we'll, we'll see it with Kylie as, as we go through her experience. But I can tell you from personal experiences with many people with anxiety that it's overwhelming. And prayer helps to bear the weight of those things. So when we look at this hard-to-be-understood situation that Kylie was describing and the need to find help, let's look at our next anxiety-breaking building block. Jonathan, what is it? Patient endurance enables a stable approach. If we're going to deal with anxiety, it has to be met with stability. Battling anxiety and depression is only possible when we have a stable and grounded approach that is prepared for the long haul. Do the work and then do the work some more. (laughs) It's not enough to just do the work. We have to do it and then do it some more. Patient endurance enables a stable approach, and that's the only way to meet anxiety head on. So this battle we fight needs all of the building blocks we can find to protect ourselves from anxiety's onslaught. This battle is deeply intense and personal. 
How do we learn to navigate the battlefield of our mind? What's up, everybody? It's your CQ voiceover guy, reminding you we also want to talk to you before and after the podcast. Send us a message at ChristianQuestions.com for any and all feedback, or message us on our social media channels. Have a topic idea or just questions about what we're talking about? Reach out at ChristianQuestions.com. Two of the ways we find our way through things like this are personal expression and faith. Personal expression can come in a variety of ways, and it's just as important as the faith portion. We always need to recognize that somehow or other, what burdens us inside needs to be let out. And Kylie had already alluded to that in the previous soundbite. But the idea here is make it an understanding. If I've got anxiety, I cannot bottle it up. I need to be able to somehow move it out from within me. And the other part of this, I think, that is important is life has seasons, okay? We all go through strong growth seasons and, and seasons of, of quietness and like winter-type seasons and all of that. Life has seasons. As in nature, every single season is in place as part of a continuous growth process. And for Kylie, she did have uh, a very difficult season when this anxiety was completely overwhelming her. Let's go back to her story. Give us a sense of, uh, were you blocked creatively during when you're going through this? Do, do you blossom now that you're on the other side? Or is it, were you able to use it for moving forward? Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about your new album was part of this. How, how does a creative process work for someone like you? So previous to experiencing that depth of anxiety, I wrote pretty often. I mean, multiple times a week, even I was very free flowing with my writing and my creativity. When I went through that, I dried up completely. I mean, I could not write a song. I could not, I didn't want to because it's like everything felt too raw, you know, and everything I was in the middle of so much. And when you're, you know, it's kind of funny because like songwriters often write about hard things. And so you'd think when you're going through something like that, it'd be helpful to express it. But it was almost too much. And it was almost too scary to write during that time. I just, like I said, I feel like I lost a lot of my confidence and my identity. So I didn't even want to pick up the pen and write music um, for the longest time. I just felt like I couldn't. And so I really didn't write much during the actual experience of that, which lasted many, many months. Um, but on the other side, as I slowly started to come out of that, I did end up writing music and that helped continue my journey to healing because Roots and Petals was actually the first song I wrote as I was coming out in, of that season. And then I wrote a couple more on the guitar, which aren't out there. But um, those first few songs were really, really healing and helpful for me because I was able to finally formulate kind of, you know, okay, I'm still in the struggle a little bit, but I'm starting to see the light. And that for me was very powerful to write about because it was like, I'm going to fight until I feel free and until, you know, I'm healed and, and out of this. And so then to sing words that I wrote over myself that felt powerful was very encouraging. Um, and so since then, as I've completely uh, come out of that season, you know, and feel very confident and free and, and, power powerful over my anxiety now it's very empowering to write music about that time and i still feel very closely connected to it and i've been able to share songs that i've written in that time and see them impact and help other people 
So it just as the words ministered to my own spirit while I was writing them and singing them, I now get to see them do that for other people. And it just fuels me more to want to write about important things like this. It seems like people would be able to, especially younger people, be able to look up to you as a role model. Um, do you find that a lot with your social media and things like that? People coming to you with their issues and trying to almost have you be their counselor or their listener? I could think that'd be pretty overwhelming for you. <laughs> I do have that. And, you know, I'm really grateful because people, I, I'm grateful that people feel they can come to me with their problems, even if it's just through an Instagram message. And I never want to be somebody who um, turns anyone away, but also obviously depending on the uh, breadth of the issue, I'm not, I'm no counselor and I'm no medical professional. Um, but you know, I do have the spirit of God in me and I do have experiences I can speak from. So when I can offer advice or help from my own story, I do that. And when I feel it's something that's out of my hands then I point them towards resources where they could get professional help. Um, but I would never turn anybody away who came to, to seek advice. And it doesn't feel too overwhelming because I think I'm, in a position where I've seen God's power and I've seen that there is hope. And so I'm able to offer hope rather than just stay in the dark with them. You know, you know, that that's an important factor because what that's saying is that you recognize the depth of need, but you also recognize mm -hmm. the limitation of where you are. You're not the medical professional. And so to help people, to encourage them, to show them a direction and help them try to get hope hope and help is such a powerful tool and and I can identify with that because in my own experience what the process of growing through something that like this looks like boy you know Rick I really appreciate how transparent she was and how willing she was to talk about what she went through and she can offer insights to others and I I love that she said that you know, because she has God's power, she has hope to offer them. You know, it's not just going down into the dark with someone, but that she can actually help bring them into the light. And what a wonderful thing to have that experience and be able to maturely help other people with it. But one thing that struck me is I think we need to distinguish between anxiety as a spiritual or faith issue versus the mental health issue of anxiety, which is a medical health issue. We have to acknowledge that the average person does have daily stress and can be anxious. And for that person, scriptures like be anxious for nothing and the hairs on your head are numbered will be very effective and they'll be meditative. But for someone whose brain is sick or injured, this alone might not work. It won't hurt and it might help, but it won't cure. So we ask a really important question, is having an anxiety attack a lack of faith, or is it a physiological response? Well, you know what? It certainly is not a lack of faith. And again, with people who have anxiety, uh, you know, it's a wiring issue for some people. It's just simply the way their brains are wired to work. And for those of us who don't have it to say to snap out of it is not possible because it would be just like that person saying, well, here, drop yourself into my mind. They can't. Okay, so no, it is not a lack of faith if you have anxiety attacks, uh, because those are things that are, are 
some again a, a wiring thing. I, I had an experience with a with a sister in Christ who came up to me one day, somebody I, I I knew sort of well but not too well, and was expressing her anxiety attacks. And we talked about it, and we identified what they were. Now again, I'm no doctor, I'm no professional, but I've had anxiety attacks myself. Okay, so I know what they feel like. And I said, you know, I've been there, and here's what I learned. And we applied some basic principles, and over time, she was able to work through those. That's different than, let's talk about fear, okay? Let's use Peter as an example very quickly. Peter, remember when Peter, uh, Jesus is walking on the water, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out of the boat. So, right. so he, and Peter's walking on the water. Talk about the great miracle, one of the great miracles of all time. He's walking on the water. What happens? Fear overtakes him, and he sinks. Jesus pulls him up and says to him, O ye of little faith. Now, was that a lack of faith? Yes. But Jesus wasn't saying, you foolish person who has very little faith or no faith at all. He was saying, you who has a small faith that can grow, because that's the way Jesus nurtures. So the anxiety we have in our daily experiences is different than someone who's wired when they look at life, like Kylie, who sees things and all of a sudden they become overwhelming. That's something you need help with. So no, it's not a lack of faith. Okay, anxiety is, did you, okay, go ahead, sorry. Anxiety is an enemy of the heart. It paralyzes our heart's ability to access true reality. Expressing our hurt privately or to another, as David did through writing Psalms, helps us to reattach reality to our lives. So let's get, um, let's get to that. Uh, Psalm 27, 11 to 14. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Boy, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty scary situation. Okay, now is this physiological anxiety? No, this is anxiety over circumstances that David is describing. And verse 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Whether you have physiological anxiety or just anxiety about circumstances, this is a wonderful text because the idea is let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So, Jonathan, based on Kylie's experience, the being dried up creatively and, and um, having to go through that difficult spot, what's our anxiety-breaking building block for this piece? Productively express your hurt. Okay. Productively express your hurt. There's a reason that word's in there. Writing or talking to a trusted friend or professional about our pain and perceived failure helps us lift our personal fog and actually see our surroundings. We've got a listener named Dodie with counseling credentials who wrote to us and gave us some great suggestions. And one of the things she said was to write in a journal every day, Uh, keep it hidden so no one else is able to read it and don't worry about repeating your fears. But what's depressing you, what's making you angry has to come out. And it's not a writing assignment, it's called draining the brain. And I just wanted to add Psalm 94, 19, because this is just right on spot. 
When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. And I like the, the acknowledgement that anxious thoughts multiply. There's an exponential expansion, but early and often medical and spiritual intervention can cut off that ma- multiplication. And that's such an important thing. And that's why we're taking the time to go through the story and through the principles, both scripturally and, and medically, as we did uh, last week. So let's go back to Kylie's uh, experience. And now she begins to get into the scriptural and spiritual part of her journey. It, it, it excites me to have listened to your heart in your music because your heart speaks volumes. And it's such a powerful thing. And do you have, you. I, obviously God is a big part of your life when you were going through this or even now as a, thought of thankfulness, do you have a particular scripture that you kind of repeat over and over again, or do you have um, a Bible story that helped you? What what do you meditate on scripturally? Yes. So scripture was a big part of my healing journey, and it's still a big part of my story today. Um, a couple of specific verses, one I'll just say was 2 Timothy 1.7, which is talks about, you know, we were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and sound mind. And that was my banner every day, all day during that season. I mean, I said it out loud probably 50 times a day because I didn't feel that way, but I knew and I was trying to cling to the fact that that's what God said was true about me. And so I would literally repeat it over and over and over again. If I was feeling anxious, I was like, no, I was not given a spirit of fear. I was given a spirit of power. I was given a spirit of love and sound mind. And I clung to God's truth rather than my emotions in that time. And over time, I saw it like really, truly renew my mind. And so that's still a verse that's super important to me. There was a couple others like in Philippians where it's like, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That was a big one for me, which obviously I haven't memorized. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, I was just going to say, you're not, folks, she's not reading a paper. <laughs> she has that uh, tattooed in her brain. Yeah. Well, you know, and Kyle. Right, I do. So, you know, it, yeah. it just, it's that verification that the word of God can have this effect and it can help yeah. to bring us up and out. That's excellent. Excellent. So those two were the, to the, were the main ones. And then also the one that talks about taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Um, and I think obviously the common theme with all of those is like, it is a battlefield in our mind, but the tools that we have are obviously God's word, his power, but then also his joy and that he is guarding and protecting our thoughts for us and that we can make our thoughts obedient to him. I think sometimes it feels very, you feel powerless against your mind because it's a very internal battle. And so it's like, okay, if I need to go and, you know, gain some muscles, I can go to the gym, but it's like, how do I gain strength in my mind? And it's through like repeating and reading, declaring and meditating on God's truth and allowing like the lies or the negative thoughts to be replaced with the truth of God's word. And so also, you know, in the beginning of the one with Philippians, it's rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. It's talking about having joy and, you know, exulting praise to God before even offering up your prayers. And it's like, 
joy is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that was another big thing I clung to and I still cling to. So it's definitely like awesome that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And for me, I think it was really helpful to not have to even try so hard to overcome those things because sometimes when you try to not think about things, it, you end up thinking about them more. Sure. And so to really take my eyes off of myself and focus on enjoying the Lord and how wonderful and massive and powerful He is and keeping my gaze fixed on that and then also praying and trusting Him with my issues. But knowing that like I can... I can have joy in him as he's working on this for me rather than trying so hard every second, every day to overcome, if that makes any sense. It very, very, very much does because when we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking outside of ourselves is when the healing can actually begin because we, we, leave, we leave space. We leave space for it yeah. because when we're thinking about ourselves, we've built this wall and you know, you're know you just going round and round and round in this, in this scenario that doesn't get you anywhere. So you're, you're describing exactly what the process of growing through something that, like this looks like. And uh, you heard the joy of Kylie's dog and its squeak toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. You, you could see her. She's like, "What is going on here?" But there was so much in that in that piece. And, and folks, you want to listen to that piece a few times because every scripture that she mentioned in that piece, we're going to touch on through the rest of the podcast. It's a really important part of this whole um, whole scenario. So let's go to another verse of Kylie's song, Roots and Petals. And remember, you know, though my roots are deep, my petals are, are, are withering. You know, that's where she was. This is a part of the third verse of her song. This heavy rain won't break my spirit And if my thoughts turn into thorns, I won't fear Yeah, before we before we go further, Julie, just the words because this is a, a repeat. What are, what are the words? I want to make sure we get this clear. This heavy rain won't break my spirit, and if my thoughts turn into thorns, I won't feel them. Okay, that is important. Let's listen. You know, the idea of the repetition is really important because that's part of the dealing with anxiety is that repetition of what's really important. And Kylie's words in her song make me think of the concept of self-talk. How do we talk to ourselves, negatively or positively? Think about it. God and Jesus love us and wouldn't talk to us negatively. So why would we put ourselves down? We should talk the way we would to a friend or a Christian brother or sister. Choose words that are supportive and not harsh. Words can be healers or destroyers. We are often 
harder on ourselves than we are with other people. Yeah, you know, and, and the idea of self-talk, look, we, we should be self-critical, but not to the point of breaking ourselves. If our self-criticism is helping us grow, wonderful. If it's not, stop and reconsider. So the idea of self-talk, everybody talks to themselves, and I would be, I would be willing to guess that for every one of you out there, 99 out of 100 of you, when you talk to yourself, it's not pretty. And we have to confront that, Jonathan, because like you said, it's got to be something that's upbuilding that will help us to grow. Let's go to Kylie's key, uh, key scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. All right, so what is the spirit of timidity, or in the King James Version, spirit of fear? Well, it means fearlessness, cowardice. Yeah, fearfulness or cowardice. Thank you. The spirit of being cowardly. But he says instead we've been given the spirit of power. What does that spirit of power mean? It means force, literally or figuratively, especially uh, miraculous power. And an ex- the power is miraculous um, even if it's us who cannot perform miracles, but we are living miracles. An example of this power is in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Okay, and that word might is the same word for that power. So strengthened with might, that's God's spirit working in us, spirit of of power and love and discipline. And I wanted to um, just say that in episode 1068, 1068, it was called, Do I Have the Spirit of a Sound Mind? And it was about the Second Timothy 1-7 scripture that Kylie quoted. And this episode was all about the powerful effects of power, love, and a sound mind on our lives. So if you go to ChristianQuestions.com or go to our Christian Questions app, you can just search 1068 and you can find it. But Rick, is there a right way to talk to yourself? I mean, is there a way that we can work on the intonation of how we speak? Yeah, you know, that, that's an important factor with all of this. And I actually read a book about self-talk. It's called uh, What to Say When You Talk your sh- to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter. And, I, and that's where I learned some of these things. Intonation is an important thing. Let me give you an example. Self-talk uh, is, is telling yourself the things that you want to be. So if you say, I'm a faithful servant of God. I always walk in, the, in Jesus' footsteps. That's great. That's what you want to be, right? But see, now, if you say it to yourself, A, say it out loud. But listen to the difference. I'm a faithful servant of God. I always walk in Jesus' footsteps. That gives you one sense of the the statement. Here's another sense. I am a faithful servant of God. I always walk in Jesus' footsteps. It gives you a different sense. And I'm a faithful servant of God. I always walk in Jesus' footsteps. The point of it is to let a statement speak to you by allowing it to have its emphasis in different ways, because that helps your mind focus on those things that are right. So yeah, Julie, intonation is important when we talk to ourselves. What's our uh, next anxiety-breaking building block to, to wrap up this segment? Grant God's word permission to replace your own words. Give God's word permission to replace your own words, because oftentimes our own words are destructive. Read, study, write, repeat God's word and give it space. As it grows from the inside out, anxiety diminishes, for it begins to be crowded out. 
You know, another trick that our listener friend uh, Dodie gave us was to read these scriptures out loud. You know, the brain reads them and thinks them, but now if the brain can hear them as well, this helps us to learn and helps it to sink in. You know, just like Kylie said, she made it repetitive. She would say it over and over and over again because she knew it was true, but she didn't quite believe it (laughs) in that moment, but she knew it had to be true. So that had importance to her by saying it out loud. Okay, so folks, we're, we're seeing a lot of very practical pieces to dealing with anxiety, whether it's something that is in your wiring or something that just comes upon you because of circumstances. It is really amazing how much of our freedom of choice has to do with the amount of freedom we'll experience. What does the process of managing anxiety look like? How can we know we are on the right track? Did you know we have one-page companion Bible studies for our most recent podcast episodes? Listen to the episode, follow along with our CQ Rewind show notes, and for your own bite-sized Bible study or group study, check out the Bible study questions content. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and click on Bible study in the main menu. Have some study time and then contact us with any additional questions or comments. Now let's continue the conversation. Anything worthwhile not only takes time, it takes massive and consistent effort. Managing the power that anxiety has in our lives is an obvious example. Whatever, quote, treatment we go through will ultimately require our personal dedication and discipline to be able to approach success and victory. So folks, again, whatever it is, whatever pathway you take to meet and beat the anxiety that's in your life, it's going to take uh, dedication and discipline. You have to do the work. Let's go back to Kylie as she explains this part of her journey. So let me ask you, did you take any, have any medical help in this, any homeopathic help? Yes or no, but when did you notice the anxiety either just decrease or stop altogether? So I never ended up going on anxiety medication. Like I said, I did see a a counselor, a professional therapist. And so that was very helpful. But for me, it was a very slow process of seeing myself overcome anxiety. I didn't necessarily have a magical moment where I was like, oh, wow, I'm I'm cured, you know, because I think that's what we all would like to imagine. And certainly God is able. And sometimes that happens. But the renewing of the mind takes time and it takes repetition. And so I would have very encouraging moments along the way that spurred me on, you know, visions from God or encouragement from friends. But really the process of my mind being renewed was a slow one. And it wasn't until months after, you know, I had started this repetition of scripture over myself and seeing a therapist and all these different avenues of, of healing that I just kind of realized one day I haven't I haven't felt quite as anxious recently. And, you know, I just realized, wow, things kind of feel I feel a little bit lighter. And and it wasn't this conscious moment. Like I said, it was just like over time, I just realized I can breathe a little easier. That thing that was scaring me before doesn't scare me quite as much until all of a sudden it's like the world opened up again and I could see in color everything that had been gray and now it's <laughs> Flowers like Flowers wow, everywhere. Beautiful life is ahead of me. Truly, it was it was crazy because it's like it's like you have been in, in a sleep, a deep sleep almost, where you're this shell of yourself and then 
all of a sudden you see things clearly again over time, like I said. And it was just really cool to to realize, wow, I think I've made it to the other side of the worst of this. And now I'm I'm looking forward to things. I'm excited about the future instead of fearing it. So really a key point was the, the, the slow and steady process that sometimes is almost imperceptible. You're not even sure you're making progress because you're in the middle of it. But you would wake up and say, wait, you know, I'm feeling a little better. Things are moving a little stronger. It's a time thing. And so when we, when we're, when we have to deal with anxiety, we need to be willing to go through the time and effort. The Christian process always requires us to stand upon the sure foundation of God's sovereignty. And again, this is something that we learn to do in a stronger and stronger way over time. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You think about the power involved in casting down imaginations and every high thing. It's not our power. It's the power of God through us. Such control, and this, such control of our lives can only be wielded if we are willing to conform our will to God through Christ. Make no mistake, it's not by accident. It's by conforming to the will and way of God through Scripture. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, Kylie said that uh, renewing the mind takes time, and she's right. It's not a switch that you flip on and say, oh, new mind, here I am, time to go. It is a process. So Jonathan, based on this piece of Kylie's uh, interview and the scriptures we talked about, what's our anxiety-breaking building block here? Intentionally direct what you subject your mind to. Okay. Intentionally, you have to decide this is the direction I'm going. To step outside of yourself is to step towards freedom. To accept Christ-like thinking is to embrace freedom. Okay. We have to step outside of ourselves. Okay. That's moving toward freedom. But that's not enough. You can't stop there. Then we have to embrace the freedom by accepting Christ-likeness in order to be able to deal with our anxiety. Folks, if you notice, these anxiety-breaking building blocks are small steps, small steps that build one upon another to help give you a foundation, to give you something that can help you deal with the difficulties in, in your own life. Let's go back to Kylie one more time here for this segment um, and to listen to her now express the idea of this thought replacement uh, thing that has been brought up and how important it is. So would you say that you would take, you know, you talked about these negative thoughts that would come in and you would spin them and they'd go over and over and over and over and then you couldn't get out of them. Were you just replacing them, like letting scriptures or positive thoughts leak in and kind of substitute for those until they finally left you? Like, how would you describe that process? Yeah. So definitely some of that as well as so I'm so glad we're talking about this because it's so important. Um, but multiple ways that I run in my mind. So one, yes, replacing the actual lie or negative thought with a, a truth from scripture. And so, you know, basically any thought that did not line up with God's truth or that wasn't full of peace, I was 
rejecting that. And I was saying, you know, I don't have to keep this in my brain because it's not from God and it's not beneficial to me and it doesn't matter. And so I would let it go, let it go at saying that as if that's easy. That's not easy, (laughs) but over time, like I said, another thing is instead of, you know, giving each thought equal weight and power to affect me so much emotionally, I had to start detaching myself emotionally from the thoughts I was having, Mm. Um, which basically I did by, you know, visualizing, and this may sound silly, but it really worked for me. It was visualizing and kind of preparing for negative thoughts to come by saying, okay, I've had these types of thoughts. It's probably going to happen again. But instead of being so shocked and scared when it does, I'm going to mentally accept that that's probably going to happen. And as I see that happening, as I see these thoughts coming into my mind, I'm going to say hello to them with no emotion attached as best I can and say goodbye to them in the same way and allow them to kind of like roll through and visualize them going through my head like a movie screen credits. Um, And it was so powerful to take the emotions away from the thoughts, which the reason I was scared of them is because I thought they were true. When you take that away and you say, okay, just because I have a thought doesn't mean it's true. There's not all, not all thoughts are equal. Some are from God, some are from the enemy. Some are just random intake from information all about the world that gets into our brains because we're consumers. You know, we see and hear so many things all the time. And so it was learning to basically differentiate between the thoughts I was having. If it wasn't from God, then I wasn't going to keep it. And if it didn't bring me peace, then I wasn't going to keep it. And so I would detach the emotion and the truth from it, let it go, and then replace it with something positive. Um, and so that was like a big, big portion of it. Again, these are the basic principles for anybody. And what you're saying, if I can repeat back a little bit of what you're saying, you're saying, yeah, I decided to decide on my thinking. Mm-hmm. I decided yeah. to recognize all thoughts as these entities and then categorize them appropriately. And when you do the work of that ahead of time, then it's, oh, no surprise. And it gives yeah. you strength and power. And again, by God's grace and through his word and so forth, you know, the, the strength and power I think is, is actually much, much more effective. But it gives you the mm-hmm. ability to say, this doesn't belong here. And it's just a thought. Yeah. It's a real thought, but it doesn't have yeah. to affect me. And, you know, this is right in the core of the battle, is this detaching emotionally from those fearful thoughts. I love the idea of uh, movie credits, because who pays attention to the movie credits? Nobody. (laughs) And that's the point. So we want to go to verse four of Kylie's song. But before we go, I want, uh, Julie, would like you to go through the words that we're going to be listening to. And this verse is about this replacement and this, this decision to ignore those difficult thoughts. So Julie, what are the words we're going to be listening to? Because when I fight, I know that I can't lose. In the face of truth, I'm stronger than you. So I will give you no power, no attention, no time. Yeah, go back. I'll pass on by. I'm taking back my mind. Because when I fight, I know that I can't lose. In the face of truth, I'm stronger than So I will give you no power, no attention, no time Yeah, go back, I'll pass on by I'm taking back my mind Yeah, go back, I'll pass on by 
You got to decide. You got to decide what you give power to in your life and what you won't give power to. And the blessing of dealing with our anxiety is we can decide to not give it power. power. Decide what to do with your thoughts. Let all the other thoughts that are not good, not godly, not peace-oriented, not driven toward your growth, let them go. Philippians 4, 6-7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are we going to let God's peace guard our hearts and minds? Because that's what it's there for. But we have to decide to put up the detour sign, to say, no, you can't come here, you've got to go there. A prayerful decision accompanied by a sincerely thankful heart opens us to new thought possibilities. And Rick, recognition is not a decision. Yeah, it's one thing to recognize these things. And a lot of times we say, okay, I get it. Yeah, but do we do it? And that's what we're talking about here. Recognition is a great place to start, but please don't stop there. Philippians 4, verse 8, a verse that is all about what we decide to think about. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, is that there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on those things. Decide what you're going to dwell on. Dwell on new thought possibilities. Open us up to new habits. And watch out for must-not-be responses. That means I must not be having enough faith. God must not be dealing with me. Because these don't go along with Philippians 4, thinking about what's honorable, right, pure, lovely, true, etc. Yeah, you know, and that's such an important thing, because that's where we go when we're dealing with the anxiety. Well, this must mean. No, no, no. Instead, let, let's look at what we are. You know what we are? Here's what we are. We are sinful. And we are living in God's grace. We're living, we're protected under the robe of Christ's righteousness. And those things give us hope for the present and hope for the future. So forget the I must not be or I must be this or that. No, 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 no. Realize exactly what and who you are if you're called of God. So Jonathan, to wrap up this segment, what's our anxiety-breaking building block here? Decide on and develop new and positive habits. Decide and develop these habits. Once we taste and appreciate the light and power of life outside our own minds, developing new habits is the next most important thing to do. Okay, now look, remember, a thought's not a habit. A desire's not a habit. But they both feed the determination and the actions that make habits. Let's not forget to put things in order. Choices made with passion bring decisions and habits that are life-changing. We just need to do the work. What happens if we do all the work, achieve victory, and then find ourselves full of anxiety again? 
other podcasts may have show notes, but we have the ultimate bonus episode show notes that simply go way beyond and are much more comprehensive. Look for the CQ Rewind show notes tab on our episode pages. And a big thank you to our Christian Questions volunteer team for releasing this exclusive content every week on ChristianQuestions.com. There is no overcoming in life that happens in a straight line. On the contrary, success in managing anxiety is a fluid process, and it will look different for everyone. This can sound frustrating, but it's actually a good thing. It means that successes should not be compared. Rather, they should be celebrated. And you've said in the past, Rick, that we are to judge our success by our restart points. And you have some great graphics on how this works. And we're going to put them in the CQ Rewind show notes. And you can find these on our website, ChristianQuestions.com, or just sign up for our weekly newsletter. And we'll send them to you once they are completed. These are the show notes that give you every scripture that's quoted and much of the commentary. Um, For this particular Rewind, you'll have all of Kylie's transcript. So it's really excellent to have, and you can pour over some of the the ideas that are here. Just text CQ Rewind to number 22828, CQ Rewind. Rick, can you describe, (laughs) for those that are just listening, what does that mean to judge success by the restart points? Well, you know, Julie, to me, this is one of the the, the key foundations for understanding life. You know, picture your life with a a point in front of you uh, to your left, that's point A, and point to your right, that's point B. You want to go from A to B, and you say, zip, there's a straight line. And we'd love to go down that straight line. But you know what? Nobody ever does. We make progress, and then we slow down, and then we start to stagnate, and then we go backwards, and then we regroup, and then we move around, and then we, we come back and say, okay, I got to move forward again. And then we start pushing and, and put our discipline in place, and we move forward, and then we start to slow down, and we stagnate, and then we start to go backwards. This is a pattern, and that's what the graphic is, is, is going to show. But this is So a, our straight line is more like a coil. Yes, yeah. It's kind of like going round and round and round, making progress, falling back, making progress, falling back. What's the point? The point is it happens to everybody all the time. So what, how do you measure progress? How far back did you fall compared to the previous time, compared to the previous time? If you are making small steps in your reset point, you are being successful. And so you, you need to see the graphic to, to make this sink in. But it's such an important uh, tool to use to understand this is how life actually works. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. You see, there's that cycle, falling and getting up, falling and getting up, falling and getting up. As a matter of fact, today, Jonathan, you, you ex- expressed a, 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 a situation where today you had a, a, a circumstance where, you know, threats from somebody who's got some, some mental Ill, illness has come your way. Uh, today I had an experience where somebody had a, a, a serious breakdown and had to go and sit and help to rebuild. And one of the things we talked about, because it was a young person, was, listen, you fall down, but what do you do when you fall down? And they'd say, you get up. I said, yeah, you get up, you brush off, you say, I'm sorry, and then you get going again. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to fall down again. This is the process of working through life. We need to grab hold of it. So let's talk about relapse because guess what? That's what happened to Kylie. 
Well, it sounds like then you kind of have a sort of spiritual vaccine from this happening again. You know, when we first were seeing your story, I was worried about, well, how do you know it's, do you you wake up every day thinking, I'm just going to walk right into this thing and I'm going to be down for the count Mm -hmm. for the next six months. But it sounds like because you've categorized this and this awesome idea of lining it up with truth and lining up with the Bible that you've been able to reject, accept, or just let it fluff away like it's clouds. And that is, sounds like how you will deal with it in the future if you feel yourself coming in with those things. Yeah. And so actually, after that big experience a couple years ago, I was good for a few months. And then I kind of had a relapse of sorts where I did feel like all of a sudden it was triggered again. And at that second time that it came around, um, I, I actually doubted. I said, am I having a lack of faith? Why is this coming back so strongly? And through that is when I really started to like, and, and, and at first I almost forgot what got me through the time. And so I wasn't applying these vaccines that you just talked about that I that I knew worked, but I was so, I thought, you know, once I went through that battle, I'm cleared for life. That's my big dark battle. I don't have to go any for anything hard again. And then of course that's not how life works, you know, things happen. And so it came back and I thought this time it must be my fault. And then I was like, wait a second. It took me a couple of weeks and some friends to remind me. I was like, I have everything I need to be able to overcome this again and quicker. And so I started applying these things I was just talking about and very soon was like, no, this is not true. And, and I have power and those same things are still true. And I learned a lot about myself again and God. So since that second time uh, is really when the the power and the weight of that these things work sunk into me. And now since then, you know, I've still had little moments of anxious thoughts, but I've been so much quicker to replace the lies with the truth and to, instead of, like you said, taking weeks or months where I'm down for the count in a moment, in a day, I can say, wait a second, that's not true. Or that's not, I don't have to succumb to these thoughts. I don't have to succumb to these emotions. And I can choose right now in this moment to let the rest of my day end differently. But so I've been able to ca- almost catch my thoughts, you know, in a moment and and line them up with the truth and these things that I've practiced for a couple of years now and see it work over and over and over again. And eventually the type of thoughts and the type of emotions that I have, they start to change as well, you know, because I'm not um, repeating the actions of having negative thoughts as often I'm repeating the actions of having positive thoughts. And so now the rarities are the anxious thoughts and the, the everyday life is pretty peaceful, you know, but it's like those things do pop up. And I think people need to know it. It's not just like a one time fix. We're always in a broken world going to face adversity, but we do have what we need to, um, get back on track and to feel powerful. Again, what you're saying is that Life goes on and difficulties Mm. happen. And along the way, we accumulate the tools. And the tendency often is to get really kind of comfortable and the tools get put into a box that's maybe a little bit out of reach because we're comfortable and we're flowing through. But you still have the tools. And so for anyone else who's having the experience you're having – the lesson I think is really, really powerfully obvious. If you've got the tools, just find the toolbox, open it up, 
dust them off, and just put them to work immediately. And really, that's the bottom line. Put them to work immediately. Always remember who you are and what you are called to. Repeat the actions of positive thoughts. Repeat the actions of positive thoughts. Jonathan, let's go to Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Kylie had to keep lining up what the voices in her head were saying versus what she knew to be true. And this Hebrews text is especially clear in that our focus has to be fixed on Jesus as that constant counterbalance to whatever we're going through. Yeah, and, and in, this, in this verse, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's the long-term picture, verse 2. Verse 3, consider him. That means contemplate. That's the short term. So whether it's long-term or short-term, it's Jesus that we focus on. That's really what we want to be looking for. So Jonathan, what's our anxiety-breaking building block for this piece? Set and reset your heart and mind on the most important thing. It's one thing to set your mind, but it's another to reset it again and again and again. Falling or relapse does not mean failure. On the contrary, they mean we are alive and moving in the right direction. Never give up. I mean, think about this. We say, well, I fell. That means I failed. No, you fell because you were standing, because you were moving and you fell. Great. Get up, dust off, and move forward. Kylie's final words in terms of her experience. And, you know, the thing I appreciated, uh, Kylie, is that there, there you didn't feel any shame or I any guilt of, okay, it's back. And you're like, wait, am I going to go down? But then you say, wait, 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 wait. I know the answer. And by applying the same tools that worked, it worked again. Incredible, incredible yeah. story. I love it. I love it. So, Kylie, if you were to, and, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, okay? We're going <laughs> to give you, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute. What do you say to others who may be experiencing anxiety are, are in that place where it just seems dark and it seems hopeless and you feel helpless, what would you say to them in, the, in, in a very condensed version of reaching out? I would say give God a shot. And you know, if you're an unbeliever versus even if you are a believer, like I said, I was a believer at the time and I still was doubting if this would even work, but I was really feeling hopeless, like you just said. And I thought, why the heck not? I'll give it a whirl. I'll give repeating scripture over myself a shot because I got nothing left to lose. And what do you know? It worked. But I would also say, hang in there and don't give up. Like, you know, everyone says the cliche, don't give up, but that's true. There's something to be said about continuously uh, reaching towards God as he's reaching towards you. And so if you stay in the fight every day, I believe that you will win because God has already won. He's already defeated death. The work on the cross is finished. That means that you do have victory in these emotional battles you're going to face. We just have to stay in the fight, stay in the game so we can see that victory. So hang in there long enough to see God come through for you. Kylie, thanks. Thanks so much. Kylie Odetta. Uh, what's your website, Kylie? My website is just my name. It's kylieodetta.com. 
All right, folks, I really want to encourage you to go to Kylie's website, take a look, take a listen to the music, to the story, because this is a young lady who has been through some hard, hard things and by God's grace has come through them, but by God's blessing and providence is able to tell you about it so she can help you come through them as well. Kylie, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You Thank are a beautiful you. girl, but you're even more beautiful on the inside. So we appreciate you being vulnerable with us today. Well, I appreciate you guys having me here. It was truly a blessing. All right. Thanks, Kylie. Yes, Kylie. God, through his son, Jesus, gave us victory over death by paying the ransom price for sin. We look forward to his promised blessing for all in his kingdom. The work is done. The forgiveness work is done, folks. We need to just continually avail ourselves of it as our experiences move forward. To maintain the new thinking that Kylie's been talking about, that we've been talking about with these anxiety-breaking building blocks, uh, to, to maintain the thinking and the habits, remember how Christian any Christian victory is achieved. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So if anxiety is one of your weaknesses, you can say, when I am weak, then I am strong, because that's where God's glory can work most strongly in my life. So our final anxiety-breaking building block, Jonathan, is what? Allow your weaknesses to be the canvas on which God's strength is expressed. Think about the weaknesses that he knew you had when he called you, and think about the fact that he wanted you, perhaps because of those weaknesses, so his glory could be expressed through your brokenness. And think about the painting of God's picture in, in, in our experience. God knows what he's doing. Why not become one of his spiritual works of art? Why not? I ask you, why not? One last word from Kylie. Because when I fight, I know that I can't lose. In the face of truth, I'm stronger than. In the face of truth, I am stronger than you. Than who? Than my own mind, than my own thinking, than my own weakness and my own trials, my own tribulations. Folks, we can have the strength of God through Christ in our lives if we choose, if we choose to take the small steps to put these anxiety-breaking building blocks in place one at a time, small step by small step. And if we fail, great, just get up dust yourself off and move forward. It can be managed. Now look, some of us may never get over our anxiety for our entire lives. So what? So what? God called us as imperfect human beings. Let his grace and his care and the love of Christ flow through you, flow through your difficulties and share them with others and help to build others up. Anxiety can be a tool in the hand of God if you let it. Think about it. 
Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode or other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. And as we already mentioned, coming up next week, how do we cope with anxiety and depression in our kids? It's one thing to have it in an adult. What about kids? Talk to you next week.